Let's get real. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of my weekly program, America WK. This is your host, Andrew WK. Thank you very much for tuning in and joining me again. As always, it is a true pleasure for me to be with you talking about life. And I wonder how you've been feeling, how you've been doing this past week or since whenever we last spoke. And if this is the first time you and I are getting together, uh, how have you been feeling in general? What have you been thinking about? I've been thinking about, well, all kinds of stuff, uh, as I imagine you have as well. And I wanted to start with that. There's a lot we're going to talk about today. I'll get into it in one moment. But just to start, I want to encourage us, encourage you and encourage myself to continue to think about as much as we possibly can. Now, I was about to qualify that and say, without going too far or without thinking too much or without overthinking or without thinking to the degree that it becomes detrimental. But even that, I pulled back from saying, because I think we should be thinking as much as we possibly can. There's this idea that somehow, at a certain point, thinking is no good. And I understand the basic premise of that idea, that you don't want to get so caught up in your thoughts that you're distracted from life otherwise. But even living in day-to-day life, we have to be thinking. And it seems like a lot of the situations we're facing, both good and maybe not so good, could use a little more thought and could have used a little more thought beforehand. And we might have been able to avoid some of the problems we're in. So I want to support our thinking as much as we can. And that thinking doesn't always have to lead to some sort of definitive judgment. It doesn't have to end in an opinion. It doesn't have to even end in a solution. It doesn't even have to end at all. It can just be thinking, engaged in thought, engaged in thoughtfulness about the world, about yourself, about your life, about the people around you, about situations. I was talking to someone the other day, and maybe you can relate to this, And I was trying to sort of get away from the small talk conversation we were having. And this is someone that uh, I'm friends with, but don't necessarily see that often. And uh, certainly respect, seems always like a very nice person. But we never really talked very much except for small talk. And I wanted to go what I would call deeper, or just away from sort of, how are you, what's up, oh yeah, just all that kind of filler conversation that is fine and polite, and there's nothing really wrong with it. But if you are someone who has been thinking quite a bit about the world and life, and like most of us, wrestling with some of those questions, it can be very helpful and uh, sort of uh, almost a feeling of desperation and wanting to reach out and connect with someone else. I mean, that's what I love so much about talking with you every week, is this is 
as I've said before, almost a life-saving chance for me to talk about what's been on my mind with the hopes that, or with the understanding that it connects with you, that you've been thinking about these things too in one way or another. And what uh, what you've been thinking about also is something I've been thinking about. And even if it hadn't been on my mind, I can usually relate to it. So there's something very, uh, I don't know, a sense of solidarity just in that we're thinking about things at all. But anyway, as I was talking to this guy, I, I tried very politely, very gently, very casually to bring the conversation into sort of the topic of life itself by asking him, what have you been thinking about? And he looked at me kind of blankly and then went into sort of what we had already been talking about, which was sort of weather and uh, just sort of family events and tasks and errands he had been completing earlier that day. And without, again, trying to be too aggressive or without getting too personal, I a little more forcefully asked, but what have you been really thinking about just, you know, beyond that sort of day-to-day triviality, with all due respect? And he basically, at that moment, took a few seconds to think to himself. And I'll never, of course, really know what was going through his mind, but he said that he doesn't really think about those things these days. And this gentleman is quite a bit older than me. I'd say he's about 50, so he's about 14 years my senior. And I always give the benefit of the doubt to people older than me, not just because they've lived longer and most likely have had more cumulative experience, but also because who knows what types of experience anyone has had. And you should always, I, I think, to some degree, give everyone the benefit of the doubt in a humble humility sort of way that they might have all kinds of insights and experience that you might not have, for whatever reason, been able to get yourself yet. So you can always hope to learn from someone. You can always learn from someone even if they have less experience. They might have a different take on whatever experience they do have. So anyway, after his few moments of thought and explaining to me that he doesn't really think about that stuff, he basically said that he focuses on his family and the tasks that surround it. And many years ago, he learned to stop struggling or wrestling. He actually used that word wrestling. Wrestling with the bigger questions. Set them aside and get back to real life. Now, I took what he said in this situation as something he thought would be helpful for me. I think that it wasn't he didn't want to talk about these ideas or life in general. It's not that he didn't want to go deep. I think he really thought that he was doing me a favor to sort of release my own need from uh, going into these kind of topics or maybe relieve my own mind from whatever wrestling or struggling he thought I was going through. Uh, I tried to explain to him that I enjoyed thinking about these things, that I found it therapeutic and almost sort of crucial that actually it took more effort for me not to think about the what quote-unquote big questions of life, but I just think life in general, it's not really big questions or small questions, it's the questions, that I actually would have to spend more energy blocking out those thoughts than just 
letting them occur to me as they would to anyone, I imagine. But I didn't really say that. I just decided since I didn't know this guy that well, I wasn't that close with him, and I didn't want to offend him or certainly didn't want to get into an argument about whether or not this was important to think about. And I also actually took what he said to heart and considered it. But by the end of the night, when I was back by myself and away from the sort of social atmosphere that I had found him in, I decided that uh, I would never make an effort to set aside these thoughts about life. And however you want to define them, as the deep questions, big questions, questions at all, just thinking about things, I decided even if they were never to be answered, even if they were impossible to answer, even if there was a certain amount of stress or anxiety uh, or confusion that came with thinking about these sorts of things, that I wouldn't feel fully alive if I didn't think about these things, because these things seem to be what it is to be alive to some degree, and that our ability to think, to reflect, to be aware, not only of what's going around in our immediate surroundings, but also what's going on inside of us, and what might be going on deeper inside of the world, is something very important. So it was just uh, something I wanted to say to you today. Keep thinking. And just because it might be challenging or difficult or there might not really be any point to it, any end that the thinking gets us to, I think it's important to stay thinking because you never really do know where it will lead us. And there have certainly been great discoveries made just by the act of letting one's mind dance along the big, most interesting questions out there. This is America WK. I have so much more to talk to you about. I'm going to get into it as soon as we get back. Please stay with me. This is Andrew WK. America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. If you don't know what Tinder is, Look it up. It's a dating app, okay? And trust me when I tell you, um, it's more of a get-together for a short period of time right now at 2 a.m. in the morning when I'm really drunk app. The Jeff Fisher Show, Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The king of partying himself, your friend and mine, Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. We were just talking about thinking, thinking about life, and just wanted to encourage you, encourage myself, and to ask you to encourage those around you to continue to engage in thinking as much as possible. And that most enjoyable and perhaps most beneficial type of thinking where thoughts just occur to you and you don't cast them aside because they're difficult or they require wrestling with, you engage with them and you let them take you on an adventure in your own mind. And you might find that experiences you had that very day as you're driving along. I often 
get into these sort of thoughts when I'm traveling, when I'm driving, when I'm flying, when I'm moving from place to place, as we've talked about before. Let those thoughts have their way with you. There's no reason not to. There's no... I feel like what a lot of times it is, and this is also why people don't want to talk about these thoughts, maybe, uh, maybe understandably so, is because they feel like they need to have some kind of definitive thing to say about them. But we don't. We don't. We don't have to always have the answers. And if we would go a little easier on ourselves and certainly go easier on other people in regards to always having to have a position, have an answer, have an opinion, have a judgment, have a point of view, we can have a perspective and a view without it needing to be so definitive that we have to sum everything up in one statement or one uh, location on the map. We can take a big, long look and say, I don't really know what any of it means, but I'm certainly not going to shy away from getting into it or thinking about it, and I can change my mind. We also can experience a huge amount of the world, of life, of reality, a huge quantity of existence without needing to think much about it. We can experience it, but not have to decide anything about that experience. It's quite challenging, actually. I find myself really challenged by that particular approach. Meaning, let's say you're out and about and there's some music playing from some sound source out of your control, sort of uh, elevator music or music on a stereo system in someone's house or in someone's car or in a store or a restaurant, wherever you may be, there's music playing. For me, as someone who plays music actively as part of my profession, I suppose, uh, I've been very judgmental of music. I would like to be able to experience the music without having to really think much one way or the other, but still really experience it. It doesn't even mean I have to enjoy it. Uh, why do we so often connect our experiences with some kind of opinion about them? I mean, it's, of course, it's understandable. We have to, to some degree, make judgments in order to move forward through this world, through our experiences, to know where we want to go and what we want to do and why. But as we're making those choices that do define our primary movements, the major parts of our life, we're going to encounter all kinds of stuff that we don't necessarily need to have an opinion on. And it could actually be enjoyable, even more fun, to let those more or less inconsequential aspects, let them be, let them go through us, let them be free, let ourselves be free in their presence. I'm really working on that personally, um, to let things happen to me and for me not to do anything to that thing. I can pass by a building and, and see the building and consider everything about it and experience the way it looks, even go inside the building, maybe even have a meeting in the building with people that are working in the building. And I don't have to have any type of opinion about whether the building is good or bad, or the people in it are good or bad, or I don't like the way it looks, or I don't like the way certain things are organized, or I don't like the way some of the people are dressed. I can have that entire experience, still have opinions about maybe how the meeting went, uh, how I felt I did in the meeting, but all these other things that I really get clouded by, why do I have to be so judgmental about those things? That's just something to think about as we're talking about thinking about things in general. So... I say keep doing it. Keep doing it, but don't get uh, 
opinion uh, confused with thought, as much as that's possible to do. All these things are a bit tricky. But again, just because they're tricky doesn't mean we don't have to get into them. Uh, I, I've just been very confused by my own tendencies to complicate things. But I'd rather them even be complicated than not engage with them at all. And I, I, I really have been a bit puzzled by my friends or people I've been close to who would just prefer to not live like that. They don't really want to think about things because it's hard. Well, I understand what they mean to a degree. Some of these thoughts are very frightening. Some of the situations we're in are completely terrifying, depressing, uh, full of high levels of anxiety and stress. But again, if we think about them in a way that's still very deep and penetrating without necessarily having to understand them, without having to fully comprehend them, to, without having to know where it's, it's, it's going even, like going into a cave to explore. We don't necessarily have to know everything about that cave or where it's leading to still go in to some degree and still be able to turn out and turn around and go back out if we want. We're not going to get trapped. Just let's uh, keep thinking. So moving on, I want to talk about this concept of seeing through things today. I have some thoughts that I think you might relate to. And uh, we're going to answer a bunch of questions. We've got some really great, great questions from listeners that are related to topics we discussed on uh, some of the recent episodes and also some episodes going back. That's the great thing about America WK is it's not just uh, on the air on Saturdays. It's, of course, available as a podcast anytime anyone wants to listen to it. So if you've been listening to past episodes, I truly appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to get into some questions related to those past topics that we've discussed. And then, uh, depending on how, how much time we have, because again, each each episode is limited in its time, but as far as I'm concerned, this show is unlimited. can always go into things deeper next week. I mean, that's what I love about being able to go back into topics that you want to uh, get deeper into. But if we do have time, I want to talk about levels of being, sort of the levels of a person. And we've touched on some of these ideas, but this is a, a very different way of looking at it. Uh, one that I find very helpful. I definitely want to see what you think about it. And if you have any experience with sort of organizing your ideas about yourself in this way, levels of being, the types of levels within a person, with each, within each, every, every person. This is the the nature of humanity to some degree as it uh, occurs in individuals. So we'll get into that. And uh, the first question that we had here today has to do with exercise. We talked about the human body uh, in a recent episode and sort of the miraculous, stupefying, incredible detail that's involved in this material vehicle, this flesh shell that encases our spirit and personality called the body. And this question has to do with beauty, with looks. We're going to get into the question and the answer 
right after this very short break. Stay with me. Thank you. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Matt Walsh. There's this situation in uh, McKinney. I don't want to harp on your interpretation or my interpretation of how the cop acted because I think there's a larger point. We've come to expect this kind of behavior from teenagers and we excuse it. We need to place some blame here. Even if you think the cop should be fired and stoned to death in public, I still think this point is something you should agree with. Matt Walsh. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio. Radio show restoring your faith in humanity through the power of positive partying. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode. Episode number nine, actually. We have crossed the two-month threshold of this weekly show. And uh, I must say, it feels like longer than that to me. Sometimes time goes by fast, sometimes it goes by slowly, sometimes it goes by both slowly and quickly, and that's how this has been feeling. In in one way, it feels like I've been doing this with you for, to be honest, almost a year. I mean, it has that type of memory impact when I think about the whole experience of doing this radio show, the, the, the depth of the feeling it it seems like a year long, at least, like many months, many, many, many months, certainly longer than two months. But at the same time, each show kind of goes by quickly. I noticed that. That's one sensation I am not really enjoying. I mean, before I know it, it seems like the episode is done. And, and the only satisfaction I have is realizing that we have another episode, of course, in less than a week. I mean, by the time the show's over, there's another episode already on the way, practically. So... Any frustration I have, any topic that I didn't get to can always come next week. But uh, thank you for being with me as this continues. And it really is just the beginning, despite being uh, nine episodes. That's just the start. There's still so much I want to do, so much I want to develop, not just in what we talk about, but how we talk about it. There have been requests uh, that I've definitely taken to heart about how to structure the show, how to produce the show. Uh, I see this as unlimited possibilities. And at this point, I still feel like I'm establishing groundwork, uh, a foundation, not just of my you know limited experience here and, and, and gaining more as I go, but also a foundation of, of ideas, of sensibilities, so that we are basically are getting to, to know one another to some degree. And today we talked about thinking. We must stay engaged. We want to stay engaged. We want to encourage each other and those around us to think about life and the world and not to allow how overwhelming it is to shut us out of thinking. Believe me, I don't think any of us would deny that there are plenty of people, plenty of situations that would prefer we didn't think about it at all, that would rather we didn't think about what's going on or what certain people are doing or certain situations are engaged in. Those are, of course, as just as important to think about as anything, if not more important. And there's far too many distractions that would take us away from thinking about the big questions, 
uh, as they relate to our own lives and to the lives of millions, if not billions of people. Let's try to think about everything. And just because it's tiring or depressing or causes worry, it should cause worry. But that doesn't mean we should think about it. You know, sometimes that's a sign that we should think about it more. When thinking about certain uh, ideas or questions or circumstances feel stressful, well, maybe instead of turning away, that's a sign to dive in deeper. I mean, from my experience, the way out of anxiety is to face it, face it full on. And the harder we face it, sort of with the most resilience we can, usually the, 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 the less stressful it eventually gets. So let's keep on that. All right, we're going to go into some questions, some listener questions related to topics we've had. And right before the break, I was mentioning this question about the human body as it relates to beauty. This is a great question. And uh, I'm going to do my best, not so much to answer it, but to discuss the ideas that come to my mind around the themes presented in this question. The question was basically from a listener regarding beauty, and they wanted to know my thoughts on beauty standards as they are presented in American culture, in advertising especially, and if everyone really is beautiful. Well, my main thought on this is that what we consider beauty in terms of a person are really two different things. And those two things are often unrelated. Every person, every human being, in the aspects of their fundamental existence is beautiful. Um, it's as so much as every aspect of existence to some degree is beautiful. And the beauty that's found in each person is bound up in the beauty that's found in existence, period. So getting to partake in this sort of universal beauty is one of the privileges that every human, every living creature has. Uh, and we should be aware of that and should be thankful for it. I think generally, and this is just my opinion, there's much, much, much too much stress put on the body in general. Uh, and stress meaning importance. And we oftentimes, and I did try to touch on this in the episode about the body, we oftentimes equate a person with their body as though I am not so much my inner self, but I am much more my outer body. And how I look and what people especially think about how I look is really who I am. Well, we are aware that that's more or less nonsense. That has very little to do with who we are. And I can say this, I've met many people that looked very beautiful in terms of their body, but who I would say, you know, personality-wise, I didn't really like them very much at all. And in fact, they were so unattractive in terms of their character, their inner self, at least what they presented to me, that it made even their physical attractiveness look a lot less appealing. They actually altered my view of their physical appearance by how shockingly unappealing their sort of intangible non-physical appearance was, their inner self. So it's not so important really if someone looks beautiful. It's much more important if someone is beautiful, if that makes any sense. And we can cultivate that individually, and we can also work to find it in people and see beyond what might be the limitations of physical appearance. It's not so important. Not everybody has to look so beautiful. Everybody looks different anyway. So what matters most, of course, is what's inside. 
And if we could identify ourselves as what is in us that counts much more than how we look or how we present ourselves or what we have, sure, those things count to some degree. But it just is the same way. We can see someone who's very well-dressed and appears to be very successful, and it could all be a complete farce. It could all be a big costume. Someone could look very beautiful and appear to be a perfect specimen of the human race, but in fact be deeply, deeply flawed and perhaps quite corrupt on the inside, perhaps quite ugly on the inside. We, we know this. So we care too much on both sides. We care too much about this shell. The body is just a vehicle. We want to respect it. We want to appreciate how miraculous it is at transporting our inner being, our self, through this world, but not get it much more credit than that. I mean, it's, it is not uh, us. It is a means for us to exist within it. Uh, and in that regard, I think we can all probably relax quite a bit about the body. At the same time, the body is the number one thing beyond our emotions, beyond our mind, beyond our inner self that we do have control over to some degree. There's a lot of debate over how much control we really have. Some feel that we have total control over the body and all of its behaviors, all of its operations. But uh, regardless of how much control we have, especially when it comes to health, we are aware that we can, more than anything else in our day-to-day -day lives, have impact and have control and influence over our body. And that also should not be forgotten or dis disrespected or discounted at all. So keep things in perspective, I guess. That's the best I can answer for that when it comes to beauty and the body. We'll be right back. America WK. America WK. With your host, Andrew WK. On the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. Now listen. I heard this morning driving in about the prison break in New York. Now, I've been a fan. Look, if you've ever been in prison before, <laughs> as, as have, some people course. may have, uh, breaking out is a dream, is a dream come true. And these guys in New York broke out, and they still have not found it. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is your host, Andrew WK, and we've been taking some listener questions, just answered one or discussed one, I should say, about the human body as it relates to standards of beauty. And I tried to discuss more or less that there's just too much importance on either side about looks, uh, meaning either side, meaning that looks aren't important or that looks are very important. It's kind of neither. It doesn't really have much to do with anything. Um, also, though, we pointed out how out of all the things that we have the ability to influence or control or impact, the human body, our own body, the body that belongs to us, to our inner being, is one of the only things that really is ours. So, it should not be anyone else's decision what anyone does really with their body. 
um, as frustrating or as confounding as that person's choices may be, even as destructive as the, that person's choice may be. It is their choice. It's their body. It's one of the only, it is the only thing beyond our mind that we really have what we'd like to think of as control over. And even that may be slipping away or out of our control more than we'd like to think. So let's go easy on everyone and not, most of all, get who someone really is confused with the body that they're in. They are two separate things. They're related, but they are separate. Or at least that's what it seems like to me. So we're going to take some more uh, listener questions. But before that, I wanted to talk very quickly about this idea of seeing through. And this is a rather abstract concept, but I'm sure you'll relate to it. It's just something that occurred to me as I was getting ready to do today's episode. Uh, and maybe you'll relate to what I'm about to say. It's a feeling that seems to fall upon you, fall upon me, fell upon me when I was driving the other night, looking at the street signs of all things, the speed limit, the stoplights, these objects along the side of the road, mailboxes, uh, even just the edge of the road itself, uh, the dividends, overpasses, medians, crosswalks, this whole visual landscape of driving. And it was so familiar that I almost didn't see it. I mean, that's sort of a, a risk that you run when getting too familiar with anything, you start to not see it. I mean, you see that it's there. I read the speed limit as 45 miles per hour. I saw the light changing from green to yellow to red, but I wasn't really seeing it. In fact, I was sort of not really seeing anything, sort of lost in non-thoughts until I realized I was thinking about the very thing I'm talking to you about right now. As I said, this is a bit difficult to pin down, but I think you might relate to this feeling. And so as I caught myself and realized I wasn't really seeing these things in the way that I might study or look at something carefully, despite the fact that these street signs and traffic lights are quite important in terms of safety and our immediate concerns while driving, it then made me try to really look at them. And as I began to look around, not just at the street signs and this sort of driving atmosphere, that was surrounding me right then, I started looking around at everything. And by really looking at it, I almost started to see through it. And this is where it's very difficult for me to describe. I can only describe the sensation of this feeling with the hopes that you relate to it. And I do apologize if this is sort of too, I don't know, removed from tangible thought. But these thoughts I often find are the ones that many people really do relate to I certainly relate to them when someone else tries to describe them even badly as I'm doing right now. So please bear with me. I hope that you can relate to this idea of seeing through the world around you and not just objects and sort of constructions of daily activity, but seeing through everything, seeing through what's really going on, th seeing through the BS, seeing through the nonsense seeing through to a bigger picture, seeing through to a smaller picture, seeing through situations and other people, seeing through events, seeing through yourself, seeing through your own thoughts, 
seeing through your entire life as you look back on it, seeing through your future as you anticipate it, seeing through and what is there. It's a very strange feeling to imagine what you're seeing through too. As veil upon veil is lifted, is there just really veil upon veil behind? Or are some of those deeper veils actually not veils at all, but glimpses of truth? Or reflections of some deeper feeling? I get this feeling oftentimes, again, while traveling. I get it a lot when I'm just about to fall asleep or just between waking up. It's almost a crushing wave of every emotion combined, a sense of extraordinary clarity, a sadness as well. But the sadness is not an emotional sadness. It's a sadness almost of a sadness that, that you can't quite grasp why this feels the way it does. It's, it's a sadness that sort of summarizes a frustration at not being able to see through to the final level. I'm struggling here in trying to express this, but I, 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 I sincerely pray that you can relate to this. Seeing through and getting these glimpses of clarity, these, these revelations of something more. I find those moments extremely hopeful, even if they're somewhat disconcerting, because they do allude to there being more than not just meets the eye, but more than meets everything, more than meets the thought, more than meets the sound. Let's continue to try to see through. I suppose that's called insight. It's good to work on that. America WK, I'll be right back. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is this is an axiom that our liberal friends cannot wrap their their minds around. I don't I don't think they're wired to understand this. It's a very freedom-based, realistic-based understanding of the human condition, which simply states this. If you are going to live in a free society, which BO heretofore before Obama we have done, you run the risk of those abusing that freedom. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. America WK, with your friend and mine, Andrew WK, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. And I want to thank you, as always, for your, your patience, your willingness to go wherever we happen to be going on this show. We were just talking about this idea of seeing through, and sometimes there's really no good way to describe an idea like this. This is more of a sensation. It's an inner feeling that involves not just thought and emotion, but some sort of intangible clarity that comes from just being a person alive right now. I hope that you can relate to that. It's sort of this idea of stripping away everything that is on top of reality. Uh, if we were to 
try to imagine what real reality actually is and what it isn't. Now, of course, it may be everything. It may be everything and then some and a lot of stuff we can't see. But there's also an idea that I find very exciting that reality is everything that's left when everything that isn't reality is taken away. And sometimes I feel like this exercise of trying to look through things, to look beyond them or look deeper into them, uh, allows us to get this glimpse of what might actually really be going on. What is really going on? That seems to be the core question of all. To some degree, it's at the root of every other question, including many of the other big questions about life. What is really going on? It is staggering to even try to approach that question. But I would keep that one up front and active and in the heart of your mind all day, every day. It's a lot to ask for, but I think it's necessary. And then I think it helps us, if not figure out what is really going on, it helps us at least see a bit more of what's actually unfolding in our midst. So we've been taking listener questions. And we've been talking about, uh, hopefully, eventually getting into this topic of levels of a person. But let's take another listener question. This is a great one. A recent episode we had uh, talked about the idea of positivity, which I think is actually at the root of probably all of the episodes we've done. At least I'd like to think so. Even when the topics might not have been what we considered traditionally uplifting or cheerful or happy. Uh, we've even talked about depression. But there's something positive in all of that. Just like uh, every show in its own way involves the spirit of celebration and partying. These uh, themes run through the large majority of everything that we're going to talk about because being alive is a positive experience. No matter how challenging or hard it may be, it is by its very definition good. Existence is the positive Non-existence, as far as we can tell, is what we would call a negative. But even that is debatable. Even for a negative to exist, there had to have been a positive. So at least if you have to settle on one side, I've tried to settle on this idea of positivity. And since uh, we talk a lot about engaging in that mindset and developing that mindset and sort of feeding oneself a positive diet of insights, and energy, someone asked a very good question. And that question is, if you're being positive and if you're engaged in this positive lifestyle, what do you do about people you don't like? Do you have to like these people? What about difficult people? This is actually a question that I answered in my weekly advice column. I write a weekly advice column in the Village Voice. You can just look up Andrew WK Village Voice or Andrew WK advice column and they'll pop up there. I'm always tweeting them out each week, etc. Yeah, but I wanted to answer this one a bit different than I did on the advice column. This is a situation I think that a lot of people are faced with who are looking to do what we'd call improve their lives. And I'm one of them. So I, I, I'm telling you this from my firsthand experience. Being someone who has struggled with not feeling positive, as I've discussed in earlier episodes, my whole life basically is someone being motivated by trying to overcome their lower feelings. For whatever reason, for no logical reason, that's for sure, for no 
circumstantial reason, I've felt very bad a lot of my life. Uh, certainly not as much as I used to because I've been trying to master that and overcome it. And through that effort, I've gotten into all things to do with positivity. But anyone who seems to venture into this formal effort of trying to be more positive seems to also suddenly open themselves up to all kinds of negativity. Now, why is that? And what do I mean by, by negativity? I mean, maybe you've noticed this too. It seems like people who are actively trying to get better, either stronger, to overcome their weaknesses uh, emotionally, to cultivate a, a more, what we call, a, a higher level of thinking, or just sort of cheer up, there seems to be this almost automatic reaction that at the same time forces this person to engage with more negativity than maybe they ever would have before. Now, I don't know why that is. It could be sort of a, a growing pain, like a last-ditch effort for uh, the negative vibes around you to try to get their hooks in as you're trying to remove them, sort of like they're panicking that you're really going to abandon them once and for all, and so they make this really big last effort, a big last hurrah trying to get at you. But I think what it is more is that a big part of this positive mindset is a kind of open mindset, an openness, an opening of the heart, an opening of the spirit, a, a, a loosening of the tightness that kept a lot of the anger and hatred welling up inside. But the risk of opening up and letting all that bad stuff out is that you could also let a lot of bad stuff back in. And we, in our efforts to be more open and what we call bigger people, oftentimes let in some pretty bad stuff because we're questioning our instincts. All those instincts that seem to take us into negativity, we're questioning them now and letting the, our guard down in a way that could actually let a lot more negativity back in. Negative people especially. People that don't wish us well. People that don't have good motives for whatever their own reasons are, whatever their struggle is. We don't need to get mixed up with that. And this is the very clear idea I have on it that I've said to myself because in my efforts to become more positive, there's been times when I've questioned and doubted my own gut instinct about situations, about people, and I've, I've second-guessed myself when, in fact, I was right. My heart was telling me, no, you don't need to prove anything by hanging out with this person that you don't like. This person has a bad vibe, at least as far as you're concerned. You don't need to get involved with them. Let them do their thing with someone else. You don't need to prove how open-minded and positive you are by hanging out with this person you really don't like that in fact might even be dangerous. So in our efforts to open up our mind and heart, let us not also doubt that part of our heart that is right and true. I think most of the time with positive thinking, it really is that. It's thinking. The positivity and negative thoughts, these are battles that are engaged in our mind. Our heart doesn't really have to do with that. Our heart cannot be negative. Only our mind really can be. Our heart only is positive. And when our heart tells us to not do something, we don't need to then get our mind involved and start doubting and questioning it all over again. We can trust in our heart even when it tells us something that our mind might pass judgment on as being negative and being closed-minded. Let our mind do whatever it's going to do, but don't let it interfere with the heart. That same bad feeling that you get about 
you know what? It wouldn't be a good idea to walk down this dark alley. You know what? I don't need to put a bunch of money into this project. My heart doesn't feel in it. You know what? I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I don't particularly care for this person's company. And my heart is telling me that. It's not my mind. I've let my mind do its thing and mull it over and analyze it and go to town. That's what the mind does. The heart is very clear. It doesn't debate. It doesn't contrast and compare. It's not analytical at all. It comes from a type of intelligence that the mind can't really compete with, for better or worse. So in our efforts to become more positive, bigger people, let us remember to follow our heart on that journey. And let the mind take a back seat. This is America WK. I'm Andrew WK. I'll be right back. Stay with me. You're listening to America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. If tomorrow the American government cut a $1 million check to every African American in America, what, you think Al Sharpton would retire? No, something else would be wrong. Something else would be wrong. Be discontented. It's in the American DNA. But don't become a malcontent. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. The undisputed king of partying invites you to a no-holds-barred celebration of being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK. I truly appreciate you being with me here. We're going over some listener questions, and I have one more I want to squeeze in before we dive into this rather large topic that I hope we have time to cover to some satisfactory degree. But this question I, I really was so excited about because it uh, it's a story that I've never told anyone on the show before. So the question is very simple. The question was, uh, Andrew, what's the worst nightmare you've ever had? Now, like many people, I have a lot of dreams and I've also suffered from a lot of nightmares. Now, most of those nightmares I would put in the category of anxiety dreams. And maybe you can relate to this. I mean, I still have dreams about high school. In fact, I'd say the majority of my anxiety dreams center around high school. I'm not sure why that is. For me personally, that is the last time I had a real solid, uh, scheduled, consistent curriculum in my life. Uh, Being a rock and roll musician, traveling around, touring, and working on all kinds of different uh, things, life hasn't been that ordered uh, since high school. And I'm thankful for that. I really enjoy the variety, the dynamics of my life now. It's less predictable. It's stressful in a way because of that. But I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, it all it is is change. In fact, that's the one consistent thing. But back in high school, things were very repetitive. Every day was more or less the same as every other day before it and after it. And I think there's something about that that allows my mind in these sort of anxiety-fueled nightmarish dreams to circle back to high school, trying to remember a locker combination, finding myself in class. These are dreams that seem to be quite common and shared by many people, so maybe you've had them as well. 
But every now and then, I have what I would call a full-blown nightmare. And some of those have involved uh, a situation in which I've committed some sort of horrible crime. Usually it's not quite clear what the crime is in the dream. It's sort of after the crime has been committed and I'm engaged in some sort of countdown to arrest or being investigated and it's it's dawning on me that there's no way I'm going to be able to get out of it they're going to figure this out just I guess feelings of of guilt uh those are pretty upsetting I mean those have definitely been dreams that I've awoken from and been very glad that they were not real and even within the dream tried to wake up or tried to prove to myself that it was just a dream uh, I've had other dreams that were sort of violent and frightening and monstrous and uh, horrifying and terrifying in all sorts of ways. Some dreams that were related to anxiety and stress about war, things that I imagine you could relate to. But the worst nightmare I ever had is, is a, a, there's no contest. And actually, this is one of the rare rare areas of my life where I can name a specific number one most frightening. People oftentimes ask me, what's your favorite movie or what's the best day you ever had or what's your number one this or that or the other. This is easily my number one most frightening nightmare. And I don't have many things in my life where I can say they're top number one. In terms of experience, this this is, I hope, I hope that I never have another nightmare that comes anywhere near to this one, and it certainly doesn't topple it. I can't actually really imagine anything being more frightening than this. I'll try to make this quick, uh, as quick as I can. This nightmare, maybe you can relate to this. I've never had, first of all, a more vivid nightmare than this, more detailed. Um, I can still remember not just the visual details, but unlike most of my other dreams, the auditory details and even the physical and smell details, the, the feeling of the air in this dream. So the dream consists of me waking up in a particular house. I actually am familiar with which, which house this was based on. It was based on a house in Seattle, Washington, that I had uh, visited when I was on tour in real life, uh, waking life, back in probably around 2002. Uh, and this house was, uh, as you can imagine, in Seattle, it was, it was quite uh, sort of damp, uh, humid, dank, cold air. And this house was then sort of made up out of a combination of a lot of other houses that I had sort of seen in my younger years, but could be summed up as sort of flop houses or very rundown um, shared apartments. I woke up in the, into the dream. And that's not something I've had happen a lot. Meaning I was aware as the dream began that I had just been asleep. So instead of feeling like it was a dream starting or a nightmare starting, it felt like a dream had just ended. And as I woke up, I looked around me and was extremely confused because it, it, I was supposed to know where I was. I was in this really run-down, dingy house, and I was sort of collapsed on the floor in a pile of sort of blankets and pillows with no pillowcases and just filthy, damp, stinky mess. Just, it was disgusting, but sort of functional. It was clear that this is a place that I had been sleeping intentionally, 
and other people were also living here. And all I can describe is I had that feeling of trying to come to. I was trying to put the pieces together. Why was I here? What was going on? What is this place? Why did it feel so familiar? I'm looking around and there's other people kind of milling around and another couple people kind of passed out around me. I'm glossing over so many details here, but there was a single light bulb hanging from the ceiling that illuminated this very dingy room, cockroaches crawling around, half-eating food and, and dirty dishes everywhere. I mean, just really decrepit living situation. And I'm trying to snap out of it and, and figure out what's going on. And I'm starting to ask these other people in this house, which is sort of like a an old church rectory that has been turned into a really like a squatter's house or maybe like what might be called a drug den. And people were kind of laughing me off and saying, oh, Andrew, what are you talking about? Come on, man. Don't mess around. Don't joke with us. And I said, I'm not joking. Where am I? What is going on? What is this? They said, Andrew, come on, man. You, you just you fell asleep, man. You, you, you nodded out. You've been asleep for like two hours. I said, I don't understand where I am. And they said, man, you live here. What are you talking about, dude? You had a really hard trip. You know, that, that stuff was really strong. Basically, what it was is that my entire life, my waking life, that had all been a dream. Me talking to you on this radio show, that had all been a dream. Me getting to do anything, me having the family that I had, the friends that I had, that had all been this amazing fantasy dream. And I woke up into reality, which was this nightmare, of being a drug addict living in squalor in this this house with other drug addicts. And I had never felt such an incredible sense of overwhelming sadness uh, and fear and sheer terror that this entire life, which at times I didn't appreciate as much as I should have, was just this incredible dream, this gift fantasy that no one had even the right to be able to, to even imagine uh, living out as reality. And here I was actually living my real life as a drug addict in this house. I had never felt more shaken by a dream. And I kept trying to wake up and saying, this can't be real. This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. Eventually I woke up. I was forever changed. This wasn't that long ago. This was probably only about two years ago. Never had anything like that happen to me at all. Uh, I can't explain it beyond that. That was my worst nightmare. This is America WK. I'll be right back. A party for being alive. This is America WK with Andrew WK on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Kim Kardashian is going to speak about the objectification of women in media. She's going to be promoting her new book, Selfies, which is just a collection of her... Selfies. She's going to talk about how she has been objectified. Maybe she could play some Kanye West music for him. Who, uh... Objectifies women. (laughs) Where does he do that? In the media, his music. (laughs) The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're 
listening to America WK with Andrew WK. Welcome back to America WK. This is Andrew WK, and I had just described sort of a quick description of the worst nightmare I ever had, which more or less involved that I had become a full-blown drug addict, but not just a drug addict, but more or less borderline homeless and... Even that wasn't the scariest part of the dream. The part that was so distressing about this dream was that what I had thought was my real life, which is basically the life I'm living now, was all just a big fantasy. It was all a, a, a daydream that occurred in the space of two hours of being nodded out while in this stupor in my real life, which was the nightmare. It's hard to explain, but it's basically just reversed. But the impact that 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 dream had because it was so incredibly real. I mean, for all I know, I mean, when I woke up out of that nightmare, I actually felt like I was waking up back into a dream that the dream, my life now having a family, having friends, not being, you know, living in squalor in, uh, with a needle in my arm. That was, as far as I knew, this, this still is a dream. Maybe me talking to you right now is a dream. Never before had I been given perspective until it had all seemingly been pulled away from me. I never had the ability to look at things with that much appreciation and gratitude until I felt what, what it was actually like for it not to be real. I was completely devastated, shaken for days after this nightmare because it seemed so close. And I've always realized how close any one of us really is to the edge in that regard, how fragile life is. Not to say that each one of us has the potential to become a full-blown drug addict or to wind up homeless or to live in squalor, but the fragility not only of life but of our situations, the tentativeness of our surroundings and our circumstances of our of our the atmosphere which we consider the structure of our daily life i had never thought of it as something so delicate and so even flimsy or as something so beautiful as so beautiful as it appeared to me once i thought that i would never have it again it was the only time my entire life flashed before my eyes in that regard where not only did it flash before my eyes but it flashed before my eyes as something that wasn't even real, that it all had been a delusion, like a, a, a fairy tale wish of what I wanted life to be from this position of uh, my nightmarish reality. It was extraordinarily sobering. And maybe that relates back to what we were talking about before, uh, earlier in the episode, with seeing through things. I mean, talk about getting uh, a different point of view. How can we encourage a state of mind in which we can actually see our life for what it really is? Which, for, for, for most of us, I imagine, despite the challenges, despite hardships, despite adversity, despite pain and suffering, is also full of incredible beauty that is oftentimes obscured by whatever else is going on that we might consider more important or more pressing or more urgent, or is just obscured by our inability to appreciate it. That's how it was for me. I certainly hope that you have just as beautiful a life as, as I envisioned in this nightmare state in reverse. And whatever you can do to maintain that awareness uh, to keep things in perspective it's, and, and maybe you can you maybe you already are I mean I, I've learned as my dad told me the other day to try to compartmentalize a little bit more so that 
one area of your life doesn't have to negatively impact another area. I mean, a very basic way to look at that is dividing work and family. So you could be having a really bad work day, and you could still be having one of the greatest days of your life as far as your family goes. Uh, if with, with me personally, I feel like almost all of my time is the best of times and the worst of times. Tale of two cities. It was the best of times and the worst of times. I feel pretty much constantly like I'm in the best of times and worst of times. Maybe we all are. I mean, if I look out at the, the world at large, that seems like a very accurate description. In many ways, it seems to be perhaps the greatest time to ever be alive. Now, it's easy for, for me to say that now. It's easy for us to say that, for many of us to say that, depending on your situation. But there's many advances and, and achievements that make it undoubtedly better than other times. But we can also say that it's, in many ways, the worst of times. Maybe it's always been like that. I always have a tendency to feel like these things are not just cyclical, but truly repetitive. That we've always been in this sort of state of best and worst. It doesn't mean it's not been a progressive situation within that. The conditions may always have been at their best and at their worst in a relative way. But maybe looking at them that way, maybe being able to divide your life up a bit, can be beneficial to protect. I mean, a really good example is with, with, with friends. I mean, I don't try to burden my friends with a bunch of nonsense from another part of my life, uh, stress about work or other things. Even within my work, I try to compartmentalize so that one project I'm working on that maybe not isn't going so well, so that doesn't influence or impact negatively another project that maybe is going well, especially if you're working in a professional capacity with other people you don't want to burden them. You want to try to do a good job for them, keep things light. I mean, I've learned the hard way with that. There's been times when it's it's been going real bad in one area, and it's been very hard for me not to let that affect my other work. And I'm not proud of those moments in which I did. But you try to try to divide a little bit. And 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 the great thing is, even if it doesn't really solve the bad area, it does actually feel better. It it, it, it it allows it to be smaller. You kind of shrink down and then you get that perspective again. That doesn't take up the whole view across the horizon. That problem is just one thing. And you can realize that life is very, very good despite that one thing. We don't need to inflate it so it fills every view in our whole vision, even the peripheral vision. We can shrink it down enough to make it manageable, in fact, and certainly to allow it to not impede on these other very precious, valuable parts of life. And I'll say that nightmare, it gave me that perspective because I realized that even the worst situations or the worst struggles or the worst problems or inconveniences or frustrations that I was having in my life were all still a fantasy. They were, they were great problems to have. They were beautiful dilemmas to be struggling with. They were all privileges, even in their frustrations. It was a, frust a privilege to be able to be frustrated. And that's sort of what I think about when I imagine this overriding positivity of life, that it's even a, a beautiful thing to be able to have struggle. 
I mean, pain and suffering is, is never considered to be a beautiful thing, but even within that, there seems to be some kind of spirit telling us that even that, if we can be strong enough somehow, is actually positive and a privilege in some way. That even what we consider our worst moments is still somehow kind of a gift, at least in the part that it plays in the bigger story of our experiences, our adventure, this thing called life. This is America WK. We're going to get into this idea of levels. Be right back. This is America WK, featuring Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is America WK with Andrew WK, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to America WK, and I cannot believe that the episode is already almost over. That just flew by completely. I think there was something about answering questions that made it fly by faster than ever. Listener questions, that must be the most fun thing of all, because time flies when you're having fun. It just happened. Holy smokes. I mean, I didn't even get into uh, any of the stuff, actually, that I had planned out. But you know what? That, to me, is a beautiful thing. That's because we're talking. You don't need to plan a whole show when you just have someone to talk with. This is our time together. That's all that matters to me. This is our time together. This uh, levels of being, I can talk about that next week, and I will. And guess what? I'll probably have better things to say about it because I had a little more time to go into it. We'll talk about that next week. In the last minutes that we have together, I not only want to thank you again for another great time. Uh, I hope it was enjoyable for you. Uh, and and f- again, thank you for spending your time with me, choosing to be part of this. I not only want to say thank you, so thank you. I also want to go into a very simple idea that... uh I was thinking about that I want to leave you with that involves sort of everything we discussed today. Many of the ideas. The idea of looking through and seeing through and seeing beyond. The ideas of uh, penetrating thoughtfulness and not giving up even when thinking about stuff is painful. And most of all, this kind of pattern that I've noticed in myself, and maybe you'll relate to it as well, and it's kind of an up and down roller coaster pattern. I'm not going to say it's manic. I'm going to say it has much more to do with a feeling of extraordinary enlightenment being followed by uh, a continued level of excitement and energized enthusiasm that carries on day after day with this new type of insight that then starts to slowly break down or at least become a little more ordinary, familiar feelings that are not so elated start to take place. And then you almost find yourself questioning or doubting the very insight that got you so excited. 
and then another one comes. This kind of back and forth between a personal breakthrough in some way. It may be a breakthrough uh, about life in general, about the world. It may be uh, a specific achievement that sort of gives this entire new lease on life, a new sense of optimism. And then we feel like it somehow slips away, or even if it, it stays with us, it somehow doesn't have the ability to excite us the same way. We, we have lost uh, touch with that hard to pin down, but very real vitality that that breakthrough gave us. What is that? What's happening with that? It almost starts to make us doubt ourselves the next time we feel a new revelation creeping up. We start to say, oh, is this going to be the same situation where we got all excited? We feel like we're really getting somewhere in life, either in our understanding, either in our personal progress, fulfilling some type of uh, ambition or some type of delightful surprise. And then it all starts to sort of slip away again or lose its luster or become ordinary or we see through it in terms of its fitting into a pattern that's all too familiar and all too predictable and all too underwhelming. What, what's, what is that? What is it all for? Why does it have to work like that? Why does it have to be up and down? Why does it have to be this amazing moment of clarity and then back into confusion or disillusionment? Why does it have to be extreme excitement and then into some kind of ordinary, familiar boredom? Why does it have to be this incredible enthusiasm and then into almost a kind of bitter resentment? Now, I could just be talking about myself, but maybe you relate to that. And you, you, you feel like you can take on the whole world and you want to and you have the energy to do it. And then there's times not so long after where you feel like doing anything would be unimaginably overwhelming, almost to the degree of being impossible. That how could anyone ever, for example, build a house? How can anyone accomplish anything at all? And then the next day you feel like not only could you build a house, you could build an entire city. You can do everything that's ever been done and then some things that have never been done. And then two weeks later, you can barely even imagine walking outside the house. Now, some would say these are manic ups and downs, but I find that this seems to be a human situation. This is the development of the human spirit, and it's processing and growing and then recovering. Let us go easy on each other and ourselves in those moments of recovery, and let us keep our wits about ourselves as well. Keep our wits about us, in those moments of grand elation and excitement, not to tamper them or dull them down, but to, I guess, reasonably use them. And I'm not saying to try to stay in the middle or flatline. I think ups and downs are fantastic. But let us allow ourselves to have those moments of confusion and enjoy those, if possible, just as much as the very obviously exciting moments of grand discovery and excitement. They both play a part. It's night and day. We want both of those things. We want what we might even call good or bad, if only so that, that we can appreciate the contrast. 
Let us continue to discover and let us continue to process that discovery and enjoy the entire journey. I hope you've been able to relate to this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We're going to get into so much more. I'll talk to you next week. Stay strong. This is America WK with Andrew WK. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.